0: Hello, welcome to the Market Weekly Podcast. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist. This week, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Instead of me interviewing someone about a particular topic, we're going to share with you some of the key conclusions from our Investment Outlook 2021, which we have just published. And I would encourage you to go to our website if you would like to take a look at the full document. The title of our outlook is legacy of the lockdowns because clearly that's going to be what we need to consider when we envision macroeconomic and market developments into 2021. I also want to add though, that in our outlook, we also discuss other investment themes and in particular, how investors can manage the instability that certainly is not going away. And we also devote a significant section of our outlook to the opportunities that we believe the green economic transformation offers to investors. Well, then what about the legacy of the lockdowns? And of course the word legacy can have both negative and positive connotations. And that's certainly the case here. Uh, Some of the negative connotations of the lockdowns that we've experienced this year are going to be significantly higher levels of government debt for many countries. And of course, beyond the very meaningful and significant human cost of the pandemic, uh, we also have the survival of individual businesses that have been threatened and even the future of some entire industries. Now, at the same time that we have these challenges that businesses and economies will be facing, that creative destruction inevitably also creates new opportunities and as we as investors think about that it will be looking for those opportunities that we imagine or are sure will arise as economies and countries and individuals adapt to this changed landscape another positive legacy of the lockdowns is arguably the change in mentality that's taken place over the last 9 months or so And if we've seen the reaction of governments and the response of governments to the challenge of the pandemic, uh, we've spent significant amount of money to support households, to support businesses, but that fiscal spend uh, has also helped us to realize that the large investments that are going to be necessary to combat climate change don't seem so impossible anymore or such uh, insurmountable sums because we've spent uh, literally trillions to combat the pandemic. And that suggests we may need to also spend trillions to combat climate change because it is arguably, if anything, an even bigger threat. So we think about the economic outlook then. I think we all appreciate that in the near term, there are still significant challenges Uh, in Europe, even though lockdown restrictions are starting to ease modestly. We also understand that they're gonna have to remain in place to some degree into the spring. In the U.S., of course, if anything, restrictions are going to be tightening. Uh, But at the same time, with the news of the vaccines, we do anticipate a much better 2021 and a recovery. We think about China, which has already recovered the output that it lost to the pandemic lockdowns. In the U.S., expectations that the economy will have returned to pre-pandemic levels of activity by the end of 2021. Uh, but in Europe, not until the end of 2022. and That highlights one of the key consequences of the lockdowns, a divergence uh, to some degree between the US and Europe, a divergence to some degree between China uh, and many other developed markets. If we think about the US and Europe and the fact that Europe is going to take longer to recover its lost output, at least some of that has to do with the reaction uh, exactly of the governments to the pandemic. In Europe, you had much more generous and long-lasting labor market support, furloughs, Kurzarbeit programs, and so on, uh, which serve very well to keep the unemployment rate relatively low in Europe compared to the U.S. But the consequence of that may mean less flexibility in the future. As I said at the beginning, we all understand that the economy is going to be different after the pandemic. Uh, And it may be more challenging for Europe to adapt to that change, uh, given the desire, understandable desire, uh, to have a more stable labour market. Whereas in the US, uh, where adjustments take place much more quickly, uh, we anticipate that labour and capital will probably flow to those new, more opportunistic areas more quickly, perhaps, than in Europe. In China, of course, we appreciate that uh, in general, it's managed the pandemic uh, quite well. As I said, the economy is already growing. It's going to be uh, practically the only major economy to have positive economic growth in 2020. Uh, and as it expands into 2021, we think you'll see growth in China 5 to 6%. Uh, that's going to help the rest of Asia and emerging markets more generally. So with that view, the outlook for the markets then is generally positive. We do expect it to be a positive year for risk assets. Generally, that means both equities and credit. At the same time, we anticipate a modest rise in interest rates over the course of the year. As economies recover, Uh, you are coming out of a recession, so you would anticipate some increase in interest rates as that risk aversion fades. But at the same time, we anticipate that inflation expectations are not going to rise terribly. Uh, Of course, you still have significant support from the central banks, and that's going to keep whatever increase we do see in government bond yields uh, relatively modest, and certainly not enough, we would imagine, uh, to spook other markets, uh, for example, equities or anything like that. Within equities, we think that emerging markets generally should do well benefiting from the growth that I mentioned in China and also broadly speaking better trade relations uh, that should result from the new administration. We also anticipate positive returns for small caps in particular if you think of the stimulus that we still anticipate will come in the U.S. in the new year uh, that should be focused quite a bit on supporting domestic demand Uh, And so that really should help small cap companies, uh, perhaps more than it necessarily helps large cap companies. We are also looking for value stocks to generally continue to outperform growth stocks as they have been doing recently. Uh, And that outperform is coming after many years of underperformance, both in the US and in Europe. One thing to keep in mind, however, is a quite different dynamic between the value and growth configuration of the indices in the US and Europe. The us of course quite driven by the large technology stocks and the fangs uh, whereas in europe the difference in the performance between growth and value has been much more broad based across the sectors Uh, but for both of them we do think you're going to see continued outperformance for value within fixed income as i said we do anticipate a modest increase in interest rates but at the same time you could argue uh, really more of the same dynamics that we've had over the last couple of years. Uh, if French, if you'll permit me, plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. We know that we're going to continue to have very supportive central banks, though, of course, we can always discuss to what effect in terms of the impact on economic growth. And that means it's going to continue to be a story of a hunt for yield, uh, which should benefit, in our view, emerging market debt and also corporate credit. At the same time with, in absolute terms, still pretty low interest rates, that means that the big increase in government debt that we have had because of the pandemic doesn't pose as big a problem to the credit worthiness of governments uh, or to their longer term growth rates as you would necessarily assume. On the currency and the commodity front, uh, we do anticipate the dollar continuing to weaken, driven on one hand by a reduction in, in risk aversion, as globally growth recovers, and particularly when you think about the exchange rate versus the euro, uh, fundamentally probably a more supportive, more expansive Fed uh, than what we expect from the ECB and a bigger increase in the money supply in the U.S., which generally speaking would argue for a weaker dollar. Final point on commodities then, as it is still relatively early stages coming out of the recession, it's an environment where commodities generally do well and of course, we always think of the demand that should be coming from China. To conclude then, the legacy of the lockdowns, of course, both positive and negative, Uh, more debt undoubtedly, Uh, also a reconfigured economy and we're looking for the opportunities in that reconfigured landscape. And finally, and arguably most importantly, a change in mentality. And we think we have the chance to rebuild towards a more sustainable and hopefully more equitable future. Well, that's all the time we have this week. If you have any further questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to your Perry Paribas Asset Management contact. I hope you will join us next week when I'll be speaking with Raul Loyote de Carvalho on equity factor investing in 2021. With that, goodbye and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.